Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to One Life Community Church. I was just getting started. And I realized the battery was dead in my microphone. We have full power now. Thanks for joining us. It is so good to be with you. My name is Rich. I'm one of the co-lead pastors here. Um, hope you've had a great time being able to join together in worship. I know it's as Brian uh, has been leading us um, and Greg spoke about our 10 years here. We're very aware of how we talk about presence and participation, and yet we're not present with one another in a physical sense. And um, we just want you to know how much we count it a privilege that you would join us in this capacity. We're trying really hard to make our online platform as um, engaging as possible, um, as much as we can from a distance feel like we're together. And I just have to tell you, I love seeing your comments, people sharing verses, people engaging in prayer. Um, saying hello to one another, having people from across the ocean being able to join us. Um, we count it a privilege. And so I just want you to know how much we thank you for joining us. We also want you to know as we about to start our, our kind of teaching time, if you're not in the right spot on our online platform, we want to make sure you're there because that's the best way to engage with what we're doing. And that is at the website onelifeseattle.org forward slash live. There we have a live chat line, prayer app, we have our Bible app, um, notes section, and more. Today we're going to be trying a little poll late, later for you to engage with as well. So please make sure you go there um, for the best experience. And again, thank you. Today we are looking at week nine of our sermon series called Believe and Live, looking at the Gospel of John. And the title comes from a verse in the Gospel, John 20, verse 31, where John, the author of the Gospel, says this, But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so John is saying these stories, this Gospel, are written so that you would believe in who Jesus is. And that word life that it talks about is this word zoe in the Greek, meaning the absolute fullness of life, both essential and ethical, which belongs to and is given to us only from God out of his unconditional love and grace for all humanity. It's the genuine, unifying, spirit-empowered life we are all designed to experience, one that's intended to be active and vigorously lived out in devotion to God and in so doing, it's going to look totally different from the way our world goes about things. That's why the Gospel of John was written, so we would believe in Jesus and live out our faith accordingly. Now, so far we have spent the majority of seven weeks or so looking at the first 12 chapters of the Gospel, looking at various stories covering around three years of Jesus's ministry, including various meals, times he hung out with people, healings, miracles, including raising Lazarus from the dead, teachings of Jesus, and more. Every one of these stories illustrates Jesus's faithful presence with whoever he's with, whatever's going on in the day-to-day -day life. Then we entered into a major shift in the book. For the remaining nine chapters, the gospel focuses deeply on the last week of Jesus's life. So today we're going to be looking at a prayer that Jesus prays and it's a fantastic text for us to think about what we believe about prayer and how it shows itself in the way we live. So as we begin it's only fitting that we start with prayer. So let's do that. 
Father, Son, Spirit, it is so good to be in your presence. We do pray this morning as we engage with one another, as we look at your word, as we hear from you, Holy Spirit, you would meet with us, encourage us, challenge us, draw us unto you, and help us um, just to grow in our faith that we wouldn't just be people who say we believe something, but that we believe and live that out. And in particular today, when it comes to prayer, help us understand what that might look like. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as we begin, I want to start by taking a quick poll of our audience using our online platform. So hopefully you're there. The question will come up in just a second. You should be able to see it. The question is, do you believe God listens to and answers our prayers? Do you believe God listens to and answers our prayer? And if you say yes, all you have to do is click the button on the online platform. Say yes. If you don't, you don't have to do anything. It's totally fine. But as you take a moment to think about your answer, I would like you to ponder some other follow-up questions. If you believe God listens to and answers prayer, how often do you make space to pray? What do you pray about? Who do you pray for? And do you think people generally know you believe in prayer based off how you live out this reality in your day-to-day -day life? Now, if you don't believe God listens to and answers our prayers, please take some time to think about why and, and what's caused you to hold that belief as well because we think your thoughts and opinions are very important. So we want to know that as well. But take your time to click on that, on that button in that poll. It'll keep adding up as people respond. So make sure you click on that button and that will be super helpful for us to see how many people think and feel this way. But as we continue, I want us to set the scene for today's text. It's Thursday evening, the night on which Jesus will be betrayed, handed over to his enemies, deserted by his friends, tried, convicted, and ultimately crucified. And knowing all that is to come, Jesus gathers his closest friends, his disciples as well, for a meal, washes their feet, speaks about the advocate, the Holy Spirit, talks about how by living out their faith will look different to the world. He tells them how he will be leaving them, but that they won't be alone. And then Jesus ends chapter 16 by offering them words of encouragement and hope by saying this in John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, exclamation point. I have overcome the world. After Jesus says this sentence, he then begins to pray, beginning in John chapter 17, verse 1, which is what we're going to be looking at. So feel free to go to John chapter 17 if you'd like. But before we look at this prayer, I have another question for you. Have you ever had the opportunity to listen to a famous theologian pray? One of those spiritual mentors that means the world to you, that you've read their books, you've learned from them, have you ever had a chance to hear them pray? I remember getting to sit in a room while the great theologian J.I. Packer was teaching, which in and of itself was this amazing opportunity. But the best thing about this opportunity was getting to listen to and engage with J.I. Packer while he prayed. It was honest. 
It wasn't scripted. It was personal. It was relational. It was humble. It was natural. And it was something I'll never forget. Today, as we listen to this text, I want to invite you to imagine yourself in the room actively listening and participating in this prayer as if you were there, as if you would normally do when you engage in a time of prayer with a group of people you care deeply about that maybe includes that, in, that influential spiritual mentor of yours. So try to put yourself in the scene and engage as you will. I'm going to have this text read from a translation called The Message by Eugene Peterson, um, as I think it best brings out the natural feel of this prayer. So I'm just letting you know that's what we're going to do. Now, although the text will be on the screen for you to follow along, I'm actually going to invite you to close your eyes and do whatever you would normally do when you're praying with others. So maybe that's kneeling or folding your hands or closing your eyes or, or adding some of your own amens when you agree with something. Whatever it is, I invite you to do so as we listen and engage with Jesus's prayer. This is going to be read by Greg, and it comes from John chapter 17, verses 1 through 26. Sit back and enjoy this prayer. Jesus said these things. Then raising his eyes in prayer, he said, Father, it's time. Display the bright splendor of your son so the sun in turn may show your bright splendor. You put him in charge of everything human so he might give real and eternal life to all in his charge. And this is the real and eternal life, that they know you, the one and only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. I glorified you on earth by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. And now, Father, glorify me with your very own splendor, the very splendor I had in your presence before there was a world. I spelled out your character in detail to the men and women you gave me. They were yours in the first place. Then you gave them to me, and they have now done what you said. They now know beyond the shadow of a doubt that everything you gave me is firsthand from you. For the message you gave me, I gave them. And they took it and were convinced that I came from you. They believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the God-rejecting world, but for those you gave me, for they are yours by right. Everything mine is yours and yours mine, and my life is on display in them. For I'm no longer going to be visible in the world. They'll continue in the world while I return to you. Holy Father, guard them as they pursue this life that you conferred as a gift through me so they can be one heart and mind as we are one heart and mind. As long as I was with them, I guarded them in the pursuit of the life you gave through me. I even posted a night watch, and not one of them got away except for the rebel bent on destruction. And now I'm returning to you. I'm saying these things in the world's hearing so my people can experience my joy completed in them. I gave them your word. The godless world hated them because of it, because they didn't join the world's ways just as I didn't join the world's ways. And I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you guard them from the evil one. They are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. To make them holy, consecrated with the truth. Your word is consecrating truth. In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. 
I'm consecrating myself for their sakes so there'll be truth consecrated in their mission. I'm praying not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I you, so they might be one heart and mind with us. And the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I give them, so they'll be as unified and together as we are, I in them and you in me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness, and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and loved them in the same way you've loved me. Hmm. Father, I want those you gave me to be with me right here where I am so they can see my glory, the splendor you gave me, having loved me long before there ever was a world. Hmm. Righteous Father, the world has never known you, but I have known you, and these disciples know that you sent me on this mission, and I've made your very being known to them, who you are and what you do. And continue to make it known so that your love for me might be in them exactly as I am in them. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So we just got to join in on a prayer time with Jesus. So let's take a look at what Jesus prays about. We see in the first five verses that Jesus begins by praying that God will continue to be glorified in all that is to come. He shares how in everything Jesus did and was about, it was to give God glory and to point all humanity to God in order that they too would do the same. And he not only taught this, but it's the example Jesus lived out. And it sounds a lot like your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A phrase that Jesus used to teach the disciples how to pray. Then in verse 6 through 19, Jesus then begins to pray for all those present, his disciples, those closest to him. And he had just talked about the troubles that are in this world that will come in chapter 16. So knowing the trouble that is to come for the disciples, Jesus prays for their protection from the evil one and that they will endure the challenges that will come and that they would have all they need to do so. He goes on to pray that they would find strength in their unity in Christ and that they will be drawn together as one just as Jesus and the Heavenly Father are one. And again, this sounds a lot like, give us today our daily bread and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Again, another phrase Jesus used to teach the disciples how to pray. Now, in this section of the text, there's another really cool thing we see Jesus pray. It's found in John 17 through 19. And uh, the message translates these verses like this. Make them holy, consecrated with the truth. Your word is consecrating truth. In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. I'm consecrating myself for their sakes so that they will be truth consecrated in their mission. Now, I think it's good for us to look at the NIV and how the NIV translates it as well. It's, it's a little different. It looks like this. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. 
As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Now, we don't use the word consecrated and sanctified a whole lot in our day-to-day life. It's, it's really interesting to know that this word that's translated as consecrated or sanctified here is also translated as hallowed, like we see in the Lord's Prayer. It's the Greek word hagiazo, and it means to make holy, to dedicate people to God, to purify, to cleanse externally, and to purify internally by renewing of the soul to separate from profane things and dedicate to God. That's the word here. And so when Jesus teaches the disciples to pray, Jesus starts by saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The Father's name there is sanctified. It's consecrated. It's holy and pure. But here in today's prayer, Jesus' own, his disciples, God's gift to Jesus, are to be hallowed for God's purposes. Jesus is praying that the disciples will be dedicated to God, to be consecrated, sanctified, cleansed externally, and purified internally by the renewing of their soul through the word of God, the logos in the Greek. Jesus prays that the disciples are to be set apart for the logos, God's self-revealing testimony, God's act of love in the world. And all of this is to be done for God's purposes, of them being the sent ones into the world, just like Jesus. So Jesus teaches the disciples early on how to pray and then essentially prays an example of this over his disciples. Isn't that the like, coolest thing ever? Jesus believes in prayer and lives it out in his actions. To put it another way, when Jesus is faced with the troubles of this world, He doesn't rant on social media about it. He doesn't mock people. He doesn't tear down those who he disagrees with. He doesn't destroy property or get physical with people. He doesn't sever relationships. He doesn't give up. He doesn't lose hope. No, he prays. He prays that God would be given the glory in all situations and circumstances. He prays for God's will to be done in all things on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, that God's faithful presence would be known, revealed, and experienced in all things. He prays for protection and endurance. He prays for unity and that we'd be consecrated into ambassadors of Christ for the world. And speaking of the world, the emphasis on the world in our text highlights the importance of God's incredible mission of love. The phrase, the world, appears 18 times in these 26 verses. So when Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus is saying that although the world is completely broken, be at peace. Because everything I've done and will continue to do is out of my unconditional love for this very world. This is why John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, Zoe life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 
In other words, if the broken world isn't the one that God so loved, then the lifting of the sun makes no sense. Jesus doesn't need to die if he's only in the world for the sake of the people who like him. And the disciples don't have to worry about danger, about bearing fruit, if they're in isolation from the world. No, there is a reason that Jesus prays that the disciples mirror the oneness of the Father and the Son and carry the love of God and Jesus with them into the world that doesn't know God. And the reason is precisely because God loves the world in all its brokenness and wants everyone in the world to know that love and to be transformed by it. Amen? Now, this is where Jesus' prayer gets even more amazing because it's at this point in the prayer where now Jesus takes his prayer one step further. He moves now to praying prophetically for you and for me. Look at what he prays in verse 20 through 23. It says this, I'm praying not only for them, referring to the disciples and who's closest to him, but also for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them, so they'll be as unified and together as we are, I in them and you in me then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and love them in the same way you loved me. Have you ever wondered what Jesus would pray for you? Here Jesus prays for us to experience unity for oneness of heart and mind that we would live in such a way that we'd be living proof of the unconditional love of God as seen in the work of Christ. Now, it's interesting to note that the verb to give occurs 17 times in this chapter, more by far than any other chapter in the New Testament. And the uses of this verb tell the story of this prayer in a nutshell. I'm going to read it to you, but this is what it is. The Father gives Jesus authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all humanity whom God has given to Jesus. God has given Jesus a mission to do along with those whom God has given Jesus from the world, namely the disciples. They were first the Father's own, but are now Jesus' own. And as a result, Jesus has given them the words, and indeed the word, the Logos, that the Father gave to Jesus. And just as God gave this mission to Jesus and gave Jesus these men and women, the disciples, to continue this mission, we too are given the same charge. These 17 uses of the verb to give illustrate the echo or the ripple effect of God's unconditional love and grace freely given to a broken world. It comes from the Father to Jesus to the disciples, to those who came before us, to us, and it is to continue in and through us by the power of the Holy Spirit to the rest of the world as evidence to the world in how we continue to believe and live. Amen? That's the mission. 
And this is to continue to echo on into the future until Christ returns in glory. And this will always look different from the ways of the world. Now, as we close, I want to draw us back to that original question. Do you believe God hears and answers our prayers? And again, if you didn't click that button, yes. If you're a yes, make sure you do so on that poll. Um, but I want you to hold on to that question along with the words that Jesus said again in John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I want you to hold that along with that question about prayer. I don't know about you, but it is, hard, it is not hard for me to answer yes to the question, right? I, I believe God hears and answers my prayers. But do my actions really show this to be true, especially in the midst of the world's troubles? Because let's be honest, our world is completely filled with trouble of its own, right? Arguably the greatest level of political divide in our history. We have great loss, isolation, issues of climate change, pandemics, huge fires, addictions, financial stress, loss of jobs, homelessness, high divorce rates, needs for racial reconciliation, you name it. There's so much going on. And when Jesus is faced with the extreme troubles from the religious and political powers of the day, including betrayal from his friends, beatings, the crucifixion ahead of him, Jesus prays. He prays for God to be known and seen and glorified in the midst of it all. That people would see evidence of God's love lived out in action. He prays for protection and endurance. And he prays for oneness and unity of the Spirit. So with that, let me ask you, how often do you pray? How often do you pray like this when you're faced with trouble? Today, Jesus isn't just teaching us about prayer. Jesus prays with us and for us. Jesus, through this prayer, shows us what it looks like to be faithfully present in the midst of trouble and difficult times. And we need this right now. Jesus not only prayed this prayer in his head or believed it in his head, he believed it in his heart and he lived it out in his action. And in doing so, he invited others into his prayers as well. What if we took the time we used for ranting on social media about the troubles of this world and instead engaged God in prayer? What if we invited others to join us in our prayers? What if we used that time to pray for the peace and unity of Christ? What if we prayed for those who we know who don't know Jesus in the midst of these troubles and we prayed that they might experience something of the faithful presence of Christ's love and grace with them bringing about peace? What if instead of pointing out the fly on someone's head or the lies that are being spoken, we prayerfully pointed out where we saw God faithfully present in those moments in order to give God glory? What if in the midst of trouble, we didn't focus on our differences and the us-them mentality, but rather prayed for and focused on the areas where we see God bringing about unity? 
What if we started to know more of the peace of Christ faithfully present with us in the midst of our troubled world as we experience more and more of the truth that Christ has overcome the world? You see, all these things start to look really different in the midst of our world right now. What if we started our day with prayer and ended it with prayer and, and got to the place where our prayers throughout the day became as natural as our breathing? This week and the week before, honestly, working on this sermon, I have been really challenged uh, to engage God more throughout my day in prayer, especially during these troubled times. It's not easy to get on my social media and see all the things and to pray for endurance, to pray for unity of spirit, to find ways to point out where God is at work. But that's the, that's the job, that, that's the mission we have. That's going to look very different to the world. And the hope is that in we doing those things, we invite others to be able to experience something of the truth of peace in the midst of these troubles because of Christ. And so I hope that as we close, we are all challenged not to say, just to say that we believe in the power of prayer. Rather that we would become men and women who show this belief to be true in how we live out our day-to-day -day life for the glory of God, that we might even start inviting others to pray as well. Amen? There's so much more I could say about this text, and we don't have time. I'm going to invite Brian and Jessica to come forward um, to play again. As they do, they're going to give us some space instrumentally just to think about and ponder what we've heard. And as they do, I do have a couple questions for reflection and application I'd love to hear thoughts on. You can easily share your thoughts about this or anything else by using our online connection card. Um, and so that link is going to pop up here on the online platform. Please feel free to use that to answer these questions. Now, there's five questions. I don't want you to feel like you have to try to hit all of them. Um, just pick one or two maybe if that would be helpful. Um, but I really would love to hear your thoughts. Um, question number one. In what areas of your life are you finding it hard to see the glory of God at work? And how could you participate in that area as a light for Jesus? Number two, where might God be inviting you to be living proof of God's love for the world? Number three, what areas of life are you feeling the need for protection and endurance. Number four, in what areas of your life are you experiencing divisiveness and discord? And how might you become a catalyst for the peace and unity of Christ? And number five, maybe more simply, how might God be inviting you to pray in new ways this week? I hope in all of this you hear an invitation to engage the faithful presence of the Holy Spirit with us in the midst of whatever we're going on. And it invites us to deeper relational dialogue with God as we go about our day-to-day -day life. So as you take some time, I'd love to hear your thoughts on those questions. 
feel free to use the online connection card. The band's going to play for a little bit. Use that space to pray, to confess, to own, to give thanks, to receive, to be filled, to dream. Um, whatever you feel called to in this time. Note the prayer team is now again live. The prayer app is ready for you if you have anything you would like prayer for. All you have to do is click the request prayer button to the left of the chat line and someone from our prayer team will receive your prayer in the order it was received. Um, I'm going to close us in prayer. We'll have one last song of response um, and then we'll close. And I want to just tell you this up front. The song we're singing at the end um, could very well be prayer for you. Um, it, I couldn't have picked a better song for a close. Brian always does a great job, but it, um, it's, it's a prayer. It's an invitation. So I invite you to engage the song of response, however you feel called to. But before we get there, let me pray. Father, Son, Spirit, we have no problem owning that we are feeling the troubles of the world all around us. It feels overwhelming. And as I can imagine you praying this prayer with the cross looming in your presence, betrayal and beatings in your presence, I can imagine how overwhelming that would feel. And yet you, you give us an example that you would be glorified in whatever happens, in whatever situation and circumstance. That somehow you are able to find peace in the midst of it because you trust and know that God has overcome this world. And it brings you peace. You pray for endurance, for protection, for whatever it is we need to get through this day, you pray that as well. And so God, help us to own that. We need you. God, you pray that unity would come about, not divisiveness, that there's something about the love and grace of God that brings a unity to everything. And so God, we pray in the midst of the troubles in our world, you would help us to be people, men and women, who point out the unity, the goodness of Christ in the midst of all this. And God, we, we just confess, oftentimes we get on our social media and we get in the news and we read the papers and our initial response is, isn't to pray. It isn't about unity. It isn't uh, about protection. It, it gets pretty bad quickly. And so we just confess that to you. We own that. We ask that you would change us from the inside out. You would consecrate us into being more and more your ambassadors in the midst of all that's going on. We thank you that you pray that for us. God, teach us how to pray more and more as we draw closer to you that we might be examples to those around us. And be with us as we reflect and we sing this song of response and go about our day. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.